Let the universe hear what you want this year so you can have it. Welcome to the Create Your Best Year podcast with your host, Clara Angelina Diaz Anderson. In this podcast, we help you define and receive what you want this year, give you tips, stories, and interviews of what others are doing to create their best year. Welcome. Alba, thank you for being on the Create Your Best Year podcast, my love. Uh, before we, we start, I just want to make a, a prayer and a declaration that may our words reach those who need it. May the words that's, that come out of us touch the lives of those who need to hear these words and that this is helpful to someone. And that is my prayer. Any dec declarations you wanna make before we, we kick off our conversation? Mm. I just, I'm ready to flow. Just oh, let's flow. So, Thank you everyone for, for joining us in the Create Your Best Year podcast. And today I am joined by an amazing woman and a coach, a certified coach from my certification course. Her name is Alba Cordero Soto, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself and tell us who she is in the world. Alba, thank you for, for being here. Thank you. My name is Alba Cordero Soto. And before identifying the titles and the roles that I have, I just want to say that ultimately I am light. I am light in the darkness. I am that lighthouse that is put here on this earth to help others navigate through the storm, through the mess, and to use our message, our mess to become our message, in essence, allow our trauma and our lived experience to be the, the way that we're able to grow and overcome and recognize the power, the wisdom, and all of the learned experiences so that we can be able to share that with mm -hmm. others in order to help liberate others. So I, I feel like I was put on this earth not to just be a lighthouse, but also to be a liberator, to help liberate people from identifying with the trauma, the pain, and the darkness. And... Mm -hmm. I, if I can just interrupt you for a second, because you know I'm all about the language, a lighthouse and a liberator. Love that. Continue. So I am many things. I am a trauma liberation coach, um, a certified coach, as you said, through your amazing program. I also am a nurse and a nurse that works in addiction. So I help individuals overcome their addiction. I also am a mother of six. Um, 
I am a wife. And yeah, many things all in one. Wow. Uh, and m many things in many different roles and functions. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to keep, keep um, calling you a lighthouse and a liberator um, throughout our conversation, Alba, because uh, I, I love sharing with people that I, so I, I hadn't met you in person until one day we, we ran into each other at an apple orchard <laughs> out of all places. And my, I was with my sister and she's like, Claire, Claire, I follow her. That's one of your students. And there was Alba with all her children and the baby. You were you were pregnant with your baby, right? And you were there with your friend and um, all smiles, all shining. And I was with my two sisters and my other sisters like, Clara, how does she do it? How is she so smiling and relaxed? Like, how do you do it, Alba? Like, how do you... How do you stay a lighthouse and a liberator among all the different roles that you play? How, how do you do it? What's your secret? Hmm. My secret <laughs> is to constantly be in tune with my body and with my needs first. So one of the things that trauma taught me was how to disconnect with my body, how to ignore my needs, how to please others, how to um, be an overachiever as in the direction of running away from my needs, but reaching certain goals in order to receive certain validation or affirmations from those around me. So trauma taught me how to survive in that sense. But ultimately, I was dying on the inside because I was ignoring some of the vital signals and signs that my body was trying to tell me as if my body were a vehicle and the gas light was on, the check engine light was on, the, you know, I needed to tune up and things of that nature. I learned how to ignore my body through my lived experience with my trauma. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to be that lighthouse today, I had to go through a process through um, sensual writing, through <clears throat> having my divine devotional time in the morning where I'm truly able to connect with my body in a way that throughout the day, I'm able to give myself what I need. I'm able to use my voice as an integral part of my body to express what I need at any given point, as well as to take up space. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to be okay with taking up space. I've learned to be okay with expressing my needs. I learned to be okay with taking care of what I need as opposed to disconnecting mm -hmm. and, ignoring and, and running away from myself. So by doing that, I'm able to show up 
for my children. I'm able to show up in my day job. I'm able to show up with my clients. I'm able to show up in a way that I'm able to hear God's voice and be that um, lighthouse in terms of just share the message. Mm, mm. So while you, you gave us a lot already in such a short amount of time, right? When, when I ask you, how are you able to be a lighthouse among so many different functions that you have? Because I mean, you're being a coach where you're, you're giving so much to others, being a nurse, being a mother of six, being a wife, right? Being a, a person onto yourself. Um, you know, and, and, and if you notice, right, like how I said that was like a person onto yourself was like the last thing because, you know, as a Dominican woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman, I was conditioned that you are last. And so, you know, when you're sharing with us that from the trauma, you learned people pleasing and the survival mechanism and these, you know, ways of ignoring yourself. Like, I'm always interested in knowing what was the shifting point, right? Where you said, okay, I've been doing all these, I've been ignoring myself, surviving, people pleasing, putting other people's needs first to then shifting to this new way of being and you already share like some of the things that you do but like I wonder if you're able to share with us kind of what was the catalyst what was the thing that made you say you know I need to I need to to change this way of being or or if is that how it happened so it it happened it was it was what I consider to be a forced opportunity a forced opportunity okay there are times when an opportunity is in front of us and we don't understand why we're put in these sometimes uncomfortable situations. Um, and then we look back in the, in, in the rear view mirror and recognize like, oh, that's why, right? Mm. Um, I feel like I, we can, a lot of us can say that about COVID and having to, you know, work from home, remote and all of the things that during that time we were able to, you know, understand certain things about ourselves and be able to use that time for a benefit. Those, that's what I mean by a forced opportunity. Mm. So the forced opportunity that I had in front of me was that I was working at Lynn Community Health Center. I bought a house in Brockton. I didn't plan on staying at Lynn Community Health Center and commuting an hour and a half to two hours each way. To Lynn. Had no desire on doing that. And then a situation came where the CEO comes to me and offers me a position as a director of this grant that I was a part of. And now it was like, it was like an, an opportunity that was, it, it was perfectly made for me. Like I was the perfect person for the role, but the commute though, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the commute though, I was like, wait a minute, I don't know about this. Yeah, wait, and I'll watch. And, and for those of uh, those people who are listening from like around the world, right? Just so they, they have a visual, a visual, right? From Brockton to Lynn. I think I've 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 gone from where I am to Lynn, which you know I live about twenty minutes from you, 
and it, it's taken me about an hour and a half. And now traffic. Yeah. Rush hour traffic. So that's easily mm-hmm. three hours each way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and being a mother, having to put your kids in school, you know, on the bus and all the different things, like all of the things that it takes in order to be present. So, so like I had to not necessarily put my family last, but my husband had to step up and do what he needed to do in order for me to commit to this position mm-hmm. and the commute that it took. Well, this offered me an amazing opportunity to connect with myself. On the commute. To listen to my inner voice. I now had about six hours a day with myself. It was the oh man, I can identify with that. Oh my goodness, it was the best thing ever. Now, mind you, I never had road rage. I don't, I, I don't think it's beneficial. It's, it's. I, I get in the car and I'm in my zone. Whether I'm listening to my music, whether I'm, you know, acting a fool, dancing in there, worshiping, whatever. Like that's an amazing opportunity, especially if I don't got anyone in the backseat asking me to be the DJ and, and, and change them. If I can, listen. Alone it, time is luxury time when you're a mom. So I have three hours and mm. I started listening to podcasts and audiobooks and playlists. And I made the conscious decision that I was not going to drown out my inner voice by making a phone call simply to pass the time, which is what I would have normally done. Uh Nobody wants to get woken up at no five in the morning anyways, like who's up? It's just, you know, so I, I had that time with myself. And in that time, that's where I received the divine message that I was to be a life coach. And I was like, I don't even know what a life coach is. So I remember I came home when I received that divine message and I started searching, what is a life coach? Oh, wow. And I started because what happened is, and it was funny because what was received, what I had received is that I would be a teen life coach, which mm-hmm. are the initials TLC. So yeah, my business, I remember that was your, your um, initial focus. Yeah. yeah. So my business is Alba Soto TLC. So that was what was revealed to me mm-hmm. in that commute and the trauma liberation coach also has the initials TLC and tender love and care is just all you know it's like (laughs) makes me feel warm and fuzzy um so that's ultimately how that started but in order for me to be the life coach I had to coach myself I had to do the work so I had run away from myself for so long that now was the time. Now was a window of opportunity for me to heal myself. And that's when I was able to start my process of going through what I consider to be that dark tunnel 
Mm. when there's a light at the end, that dark, scary tunnel that I didn't want to go through in terms of I didn't want to unpack the skeletons in my closet. I wouldn't want to deal with all the stuff that I had swept under the rug for years. I didn't want to deal with the sexual trauma that was related to my family. I didn't want to deal with the fact that I had a father that was toxic and abusive. I didn't want to deal with the fact that I continued to um, stumble over what I would consider the same rock, trompezando con la misma piedra, I kept tripping over the same rock that had to do with relationships and relating to others because I continued to allow and tolerate people who didn't value me or didn't um, mm. reciprocate that relationship. So I had to say enough is enough. Like I want to know myself and love myself enough that I'm only going to tolerate positive and reciprocal relationships in my life. Now I have to evaluate not just my relationship, but my friend circle and even how I navigate at work in terms of what I am or am not willing to tolerate. So hold on a second. Okay. So you so the the turning point for you so I mean I I want to imagine that there were many turning points but one of them was when you had this this time with yourself commuting back and forth to Lynn which I can um I can empathize with very much because I I used to have a, a commute time from I used to live in Brockton and commuted to Boston which is not um Lynn <laughs> but it's on the way to Lynn and I used to use that time to make my intentions and my visions for who I am today <laughs> um during those times I was like I, I won't be commuting like this for long um and so in that time you got this you received the message to become a coach initially a teen coach and then it went on to trauma and then what you found was that you're like, in order for me to be that person to support others, I gotta, as you described it, go down the dark tunnel where there's a light at the other side and kind of unpack the way that you had learned to relate to others. Wow. You know, I was just, I was just having a conversation with um, another one of my students today who told me that she started coaching and then she stopped because she realized that she needed to work on herself first. So I, I find it very, um, I don't want to say interesting, but I find it, you know, I admire the fact that you took on that work right away. And so... Here we are, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to put myself on this journey of self-healing. Share with me, like, what were some of the things that you first started to do in order to feel like, because I, I, I just want to clarify, you are coaching right now. Mm-hmm. You're coaching now. So like, what, were, what were some of the things that you started to do to 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 start to heal? Because I know there's other coaches that listen to this and that are wondering like, man, I, I got some stuff that I need to, I got some dark tunnels I need to go down. Um, what, what did you do? Like, what were some of the things that you did in order to start feeling like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to help others? So one of the things was, 
having my divine morning. I think it's, I had read the book called Miracle Morning. Mm-hmm. And I implemented those practices into my morning routine of getting up at 4 a.m. so that I could pour into myself before pouring into others. And that, during that time, I received some of the most profound messages from God. I birthed a book collaboration out of that and so many other, you know, amazing things. Um, I birthed my podcast out of that. Um, And (laughs) my podcast is Trauma Liberacion con Alba Soto, which I feature people um, who are English and Spanish speaking to come in and talk about their trauma and how they overcame that. Like, where was that light Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to navigate through that dark time? And in those moments, I realized that the voice of doubt, the voice of fear, like I was, I was giving God my yes, but that yes was kind of like a shaky. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, I guess I'll do this. Um, and it was, it was not sustainable from the perspective of Hmm. There was still a little bit more work that I needed to do in terms of cleaning house, in terms of what I was willing to tolerate around me. Mm. Because I was believing the distorted narrative of what was told to me about all the can'ts and won't and too much, right? Mm. Everywhere I go, and I tell somebody I am a mother of six. It's like, that's too much. You're crazy. What are you thinking? And when I tell them I want more children, it's like, that's when their eyes get really big. And anytime I started to, you know, express and unpack my trauma and what I experienced, again, this is too much. Like, how could, you know? So it's like all of these different narratives that, others impose on our lives I was allowing that to germinate in my brain and create and and um and and affect my creativity ultimately affect create my affect my flow affect my creativity so in that process I had to take a step back and again go back to what I learned from the silence, the being with myself and being able to tap into my inner voice so that I can realign with my purpose as opposed to what others feel like I can or can't or should be capable of given my many roles. So, um, for those people hearing, right, the the Miracle Mornings, right, is a is a book and it's like a methodology of waking up early at four in the morning so you can pour into yourself. And you, so you were doing that, pouring into yourself and and so many beautiful things were birthed. You're saying the collaboration, a book collaboration, your podcast. 
But I mean, I can totally identify with that when you're like, um, yeah, God, yeah, I want that. Yeah. But then there's like, there's this other part of your brain that's like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Like, is that really going to work? Is that, like, do you want too much? It, really? Are you sure? You better go back to a safe. <laughs> I mean, at least that's my voice. You know, every time I want, I'm, I'm like stepping out into something new. And I think, you know, over time I've, um, I've, I managed to like put the volume down on it, you know, and put the, the, the voice of yes, what I, what I call it. I, I have it sit in front of the bus and the doubt sits in the back. Um, but I, I can totally relate. And, um, and I know a lot of our listeners can relate too when you're like, I know I want that. Um, but you're like one, like one to win, one to wow, you know, then you manage to put one foot in, one foot out. What I call that, I call that double dutching. I don't know. No, double dutch. People yes. remember as double dutching from back in the day, but when you over here, like, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, mm-hmm. should I not, that's what I call double dutching. And what I was doing during that time was ultimately having an awkward dance with God where I, I oh, said, Lord. yes, <laughs> yes but I'm going to. I'm going to try to be in control. I'm going to try to do it my way. So I'm going to continue to step on your toes until I ultimately understood that what I need to do is surrender Mm. because I can trust that God's plan is better than my plan. Yes. Oh my God. Say it for the people in the back. Surrender. Oh my goodness, Alba. And, And you mentioned to like, going back to the basics, right? Of your first thing, which was like being in silence. So talk to me about surrender, right? What does that look like for you? What is, how did, because I mean, I got, I got, I got stories about surrender, (laughs) but you're the one being interviewed here today. So please talk to me about surrender. What is, what is surrender? What does that look like? Surrender to me is a process and it's, something that doesn't stop it's like an ongoing process so in order to get to the state of surrender which is to let go I have to first allow the current or the old to die Mm. so I have to be willing to accept the grieving process that takes place prior to the surrender Mm. and there are moments in my life where I avoided feeling the sadness feeling the loss feeling the anger or at least allowing people to see that I experienced these and I thought I could just smile though my heart was breaking and just put on a mask and put on you know you know, and put on this act. And so long as I was doing that, I couldn't actually truly surrender because I wasn't allowing myself to die. I wasn't allowing myself to grieve. I wasn't allowing myself to experience the necessary, like the necessary uh, grief or the emptiness in order to truly let go. Mm. And you you mentioned something really important, which was, you know, this 
going through this grieving process of, you know, like letting that the whole current die or like the prior situation die. And and I get it. The question that I get from a lot of a lot of coaches is like, Clara, how do I let myself grieve when I'm supposed to show up um in this like strong light for my clients? Like how do you how does that practically how does that look like? Like do you give yourself time, a time of the day to grieve? Like like how do how do how does that look like in practical terms? <laughs> So what I will say is that I, I hope I get to the answer eventually, but what's coming to me is I learned a lot from taking the course that you offered to us called Positive Intelligence. Mm. That Positive Intelligence course was so healing for me when I was able to recognize that the way I was showing up as a coach was not sustainable from the perspective of the vision that I got during one of the meditations that I had was that I am standing on this very small boat and there are so many people in the water around me that are drowning, that are Ooh. suffering, that are aching. And I feel this responsibility to save them but there's only so much space on this boat. And if I put them all on this boat, then the boat's going down. That's the logical perspective. But my emotional body is just like, you have to save everybody. And here I am standing tall, like almost like a statue over these individuals. And I created my boat. This boat was built on, you know, hard, like these hard lessons that I learned. I built this boat. So there was almost this idea of me standing over, mm -hmm. almost as if I'm better than. Mm -hmm. And I had this, what I consider to be this Jesus complex, where I feel like I am the savior. And once I receive that visual and unpack that and was able to understand how unrealistic that was for me, how unsustainable that was for me and mm. how hypocritical it was. It's like the audacity that you have to stand above as opposed to break down, which is what you really want to do. When you see individual suffering that aches you at your mm -hmm. in, in your in your core at your mm -hmm. soul mm -hmm. and it is okay to show emotion it is okay to grieve it's okay to break down and I remember that time I hadn't cried in like what felt like forever because I didn't want to show weakness. I didn't want to show vulnerability. Mm. My dad was a very toxic person who thrived on having control over. And as a result, he would hit me until I cried. Mm. And I made it a point that I was not going to show weakness. I was not going to give you the satisfaction 
of seeing me cry. And that I did at a young age. <clears throat> I didn't even realize what I was doing. But in those moments, I, I built this mask, this like I started creating layers of protection, layers of an onion that became part of who I am and how I show up in the world. And how you showed up as a coach. As, and how I showed up as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I had to unpeel those layers. I had to unlearn some of these methods in order to connect truly from a human perspective and allow myself to flow, not from the perspective of over you, but we're here. We're open to what you know, we're open to, to, to the opportunities that are here. We're open to the divine to be able to speak through me. We're open to this experience. And that in itself was the best realization ever, which is like, you don't have to pretend like you're okay all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't have to show up in any cookie cutter kind of way. Right. And in order for you to truly be impactful and effective, you have to take care of yourself. You have mm -hmm. to be honest with yourself in order to take care of yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you don't have any needs. You're just here caring for the needs of others. So do you have a, a new, you know, because I... I, I have a visual of you in the bowl, standing over the people, wanting to save them. Like, do you have like a new analogy now or like a new kind of visualization for what it looks like for you being a coach now? Yes. Um, what does that look like? Chain breaker. A chain breaker. We're, we're breaking chains. Yeah. I'm am here to shake things up and I'm here to do things differently. I thought in the beginning that I could play it safe and work with women who identify as trauma survivors. Mm -hmm. I thought I could just stay in that realm. And God revealed to me, no, because if you heal the survivor, the victim per se, another victim is going to take its place. Mm. And the chain will still continue to grow. So you have to be willing to heal the individuals who are stuck in the cycle of shame and guilt to truly break that, that bondage, that sentencing that they have of themselves that says, I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving. Hmm. So those individuals that society feels like there's no hope. So what I'm hearing you say is like, you know, that um, there's this idea that 
in order to heal the oppressed, you also have to heal the oppressor. Uh, right, in order to heal the victim, you have to heal the abuser. And it sounds to me, you know, so that I um, identify so much with your journey because while, you know, I'm all about elevating women and, um, you know, making sure that women have a voice and that they, they can exercise choice, I'm also... Um, very invested in changing the environment in which women can do that, you know, through systems change. Um, so tell me how, I mean, I, I, I heard you say the word chain breaker. How are you, how are you doing that? How are you breaking chains? Mm. First, for me, I'm learning to, I guess, a gift that I have, I'll start with that. A gift that I have is that gift of language, communication, storyteller. Like, one of the gifts that God has given me is my ability to use my voice in a way to inspire, to embolden, to empower, to, you know, just support, to connect. And I have recognized that I have to do a process of unlearning and relearning mm -hmm. the way I use certain words because I cannot again it's, it's again it's like a part of me has to die in order for me to truly surrender to this calling so my perspective that I had two years ago going into this seeing women as victims and men as perpetrators women are perpetrators just the same way men are victims it's, it's, it's vice versa the way I looked at this a year ago in terms of using the term that has become so popular in terms of narcissistic abuse, it, it's not okay for me to continue to put people in boxes that are hurt people hurting people when those hurt people also are crying for help mm -hmm. and deserve that, that liberation. So when I understood how much power I was giving, and I'm going to say for lack of a better word, giving the enemy or the oppressor in terms of using that word narcissistic, I am giving power to darkness. And I'm allowing that darkness to continue to show up in the world because mm -hmm. it's almost like what you say you attract. Like I have a red car. Now I see this red car everywhere. The more I say this word, the more I'm attracting this energy, this spirit, and this. Yeah, I mean, I... 
you know, you know, I'm a big believer that words create worlds. And what I'm hearing you say, right, it's like something that sounds so simple, right? It's like reshifting the way that you speak about the work that you're doing, but it also goes on a deeper level too. You're talking about instead of seeing things in boxes, you're seeing the interdependence of things. Um, and when we are able to see the interdependence of things and right, how one thing relates to, to another and everything is connected, then we can look at the root cause and really work with that as opposed to, right, it's, it's like going away from this polarity of like what is good and what is bad and, and, and showing up, like you said, like being a lighthouse and a liberator with more compassion. Right. And seeing, man, like the light and things. I love that. I I, I mean, I, I'm, I love to witness this evolution in, in your work. It's, it's amazing. Um, and I know that, you know, like we've 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 shared so much and, and people are going to want to connect with you. Alba. Um, there's definitely a part two to be had with this. Um, but apart from, you know, what we shared at the beginning that you said, Clara, like I, you know, I do sensory writing. It's an ongoing process to healing, right? To feeling like you are sourced, in, you know, sourced enough, taking care of yourself enough to give, you know, to be in the space of coaching um, and walking alongside and breaking chains with people. You mentioned sensory writing, having that devotion time. Because this show is called Create Your Best Year, I always ask my guests, what are you doing to create your best year? And I want to kind of wrap up with that. I am choosing to live in a state of grace mm. and receptivity by implementing a day of rest so that I can continue to lead in the way that is divinely intended and be very purposeful in the way I do business. So I want to make sure I incorporate rest so that in, um, in my approach to things I'm making sure I'm coming from a place of peace a place of love a mm. place of compassion mm -hmm. oh thank you for, for sharing that um because I know that is going to give a lot a lot of other women permission to do the same choosing to live in a state of grace and receptivity right? Receptivity, um, being that place. Um, and I'm going to take the liberty of defining it because I, I adhere to a lot of the same values, um, being in a place, um, in a state where you can receive. Um, that word was new for me a couple of years ago. Um, right. But when we're talking about allowing ourselves to be feminine and in our feminine power being able to be receptive is is such a huge 
um, capability that we can cultivate for ourselves. Um, giving yourself the day of rest. And I love what you said so that you can be in a state of peace. Um, right. And peace and receptivity for me have such a good, uh, uh, an important connection because for a long time ago, I don't know where I heard this. Um, there was a quote that said that everything comes to peace. Right. Everything, the, the address for everything for me is peace. Abundance comes to peace. Love comes to peace. When you're in peace, you're more receptive. Everything comes to peace. Um, I um, want to thank you for the work. Not just, okay, not for the work. I want to thank you for your being in the world, for your example of what I see as peaceful transformation uh, in a world that in a world that holds um, these societal hierarchies and where women of color are at the margins of that hierarchy, you choose to be the light. You choose to be a light and a liberator. And you continue to be unapologetic and honest about your process so that others can also go through their own process of liberation. And right now, Alba, um, where, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? What's the best place for them to um, connect with you? My website is albasototlc.com. I have social media, Alba Soto TLC. Um, and I also have my email, which is Alba Soto TLC at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you. I feel like there's going to be a part two to this. But you shared so much of your nuggets and your stuff. And, and I, there's things that I know people are going to be listening and Googling, like what is central writing <laughs> um, and things of that nature. Thank you so much, Alba, for being on the podcast. Thank you. Okay, friends, thank you so much for being with us. To learn how you can create your best year, get the book, take the course, and learn more, visit clarifying.com. That's C-L-A-R-A-F-Y-I-N-G.com. And remember, let the universe hear what you want this year.